Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, Lord. We long for that day, Jesus, to be with you, Father. Face to face, laying our crowns at your feet.
just speak the name of Jesus today. Whatever need you have, lay it at his feet. Hallelujah, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Father. And God, we call on your name today. That sweet name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. And in that name, we lift up every need in this room. And in that name, we speak that incredible name over every disease that will be, Lord, represented maybe within this room, an extended family in this room, every, every person that's in confusion and distress, every person that is in a difficult situation, we speak that incredible name, Jesus, over everyone. Lord, we especially remember today our missions team, our men's team that's in the Bahamas, uh, working diligently, serving um, the, the community and the church and the place that they're at. Bless them today. Lord, you see the physical work they're doing. Lord, would you keep them safe in their body? Lord, would you cause them every day to have new strength to be able to do the things uh, that they're doing, God? I pray blessing over them. I pray in their spirit that you would cause, uh, you would stir up something fresh in their life. God, I thank you that you are with them today. Let them feel and sense the weight of our prayers for them this day. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these moments, and we are grateful for your incredible name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning as the ushers prepare. You know, um, here's a 20. It's actually not my 20. I pulled it out of the Speed of the Light cam, which, by the way, reminds me. Some of you said, I keep forgetting to bring that. That's okay. Just, just bring it in. Yeah, just bring it Wednesday. Bring it Sunday. We appreciate you guys uh, turning those in. And, uh, but yeah, this, this 20 here, if this was yours, it doesn't love you. It doesn't hate you. It doesn't want the best for you. It doesn't want the worst for you. It's just money. It's all it is. It's, it's paper for us here. I know a lot of you give online or you give, uh, buy things on Amazon through your phones, and, and that's, that's totally fine. But just to have a, a physical um, uh, symbol of money. And uh, we could do all kinds of things with this. We could, um, you know, give it away, spend it on this, save it for that. And uh, missionary Amy Carmichael, she was a missionary in India for 55 years, the end of the 19th century into halfway through the, the 20th century, uh, an Irish missionary. And she said something. She said, you can give without loving. You could give this to somebody and not care two cents about them. But you can't love without giving. And um, uh, as we follow Christ, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what we're going to do right now is love. Lord, thank you that we get to love you first and foremost. And as an outpouring of that, Lord, we get to love uh, those around us, those in need uh, nearby us and around the world. And Lord, I pray you'd bless this offering today in an incredible way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Lord, would you 
That's happening. Next Sunday morning after our service, we're going to have our annual business meeting as we did last year, right after service. Hope you'll be here for that. Open to non-members as well as members, but we do need enough members to have a quorum. So hopefully we'll see you next Sunday morning for our annual business meeting. Also today, I, I bypassed this one. Um, Today, right after service, is a practice for the missions choir because in just two weeks, we're going to have our missions convention in the morning. Special guest is Greg Beggs from Africa. And then in the evening, 5.30, as you know, we're going to have our international banquet. And I'm looking forward to that. I've talked to some of you already. You've got some food lined up, some wonderful ethnic favorites. And, uh, well, anyways, get cooking. And uh, get ready to do some good eating. It's been a long time since we've done something like that. And then three weeks today is daylight saving time. We go to daylight saving time, which is the first sign that spring is on its way. And the next week is the first day of spring. Yes. How many say amen? amen. All right. I think we beat the winter crowd. Pastor Brandon's winter crowd. <laughs> I want to see some more. I'm actually ready to cut grass. You know? And thankfully, we haven't had to do a whole lot of shoveling of snow. Um, one other thing is, uh, last week, I know this was mentioned, but Parenting 101 starts in just a couple weeks, March 13. We're going to begin a nine-week course on parenting, godly parenting, and that's at 9 a.m. on Sundays in Room 107. Hope you will sign up. Sign up online as soon as you can. There is a website. There's a URL here in that brochure. It's out in the lobby. Go there. Sign up. We want to. If you go through this course... I'm going to make sure you get a t-shirt that says you have passed Parenting 101. So get the word out now. Amen. Amen. As promised, today we're going to be looking at heroes. I just had to. I mean, for such a time as this, I've been saving this t-shirt for the last five years. Hope you can see it. Let me, you know, show the video as I get myself together here. Walking alone, the streets are empty The only thing I can see is my own silhouette I'm getting stronger, step by step The clock is ticking, but there's no time for me I've been flying from town to town
worship team to practice that for next Sunday morning. We'll, we'll sing that. And guys, I'm not too gimmicky usually, right? You okay with that? You know, the... but there has been something in humankind where we, we look for heroes. We want heroes. And truthfully, everyday people sometimes become heroes, right? You read about it in the more positive side of the media and the news where someone steps in, rescues someone from a burning car, maybe a drowning child, it's, and, and they're deemed a hero, and rightfully so. You know, even, even, even the world's religions look for heroes. You know, there was Greek mythology with Hercules and Zeus and others, and we have Roman gods that our early apostles had to deal with, Paul especially in Athens. And you know what? The Bible also gives us heroes mentions them by name, and we'll look at one this morning in a little bit. But as I've promised you, we're going to head into a series this morning about heroes, superheroes, and Bible heroes. And um, I thought it would be unique if I began today with this one thought, and that is that although heroes are endued with special powers or special gifts, I want you to know that they're not perfect. As powerful as they might seem, as blessed as they may appear, even those in the Bible, they all had flaws. You know, two of my favorite activities as a young boy were fortunately intertwined. They were two that, that just went hand in hand. I'm glad, the, I'm glad it worked out this way in the history of my life um, because both of these included heroes. One of these heroes was my dad, who truthfully wasn't always my hero. It, it took a number of years. It took some maturity, my maturity, to see him as a hero. And I think Mark Twain once, once described this most eloquently. He said, you know, when I was a boy of 14, 
My father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years. You know, and, that, and that's it. You know, when I look at my dad, my dad eventually became a hero. And the other heroes that, that I had were those that I found in the comic books. And that's why I wanted to show you that video this morning. I spent a lot of time with my dad. And as most of you know, he had a rubbish business. And I would work with him after school every day. And of course, all day on Saturdays during the school year. And every day during the summer, six days a week. And so I got to know my dad about as well as anyone could. And I quickly picked up on his work ethic, his thorough attention to detail, even something so menial as picking up trash. And I also witnessed his generosity towards people in need that he would meet during the day. My dad wasn't a Christian, but yet he was generous. But you know, at the same time, I also got to observe his weaknesses. Working with him was one of the most, it was, most one, it was one of my favorite things. Working with him was one of my favorite things. You know, my friends would be home, even as young children. I started working with my dad when I was, about, I was about five. Being on his rubbish truck, going from job to job. There isn't much that a five-year-old can do, but, you know, still I was there with him. My other friends would be home watching cartoons or playing sports or goofing off as they got a little older, pre-adolescent, adolescence. And, and you know what? Even though I wasn't doing those things, you know, I never felt as though I was missing out. I didn't feel like I was being deprived. I loved to work. I loved to be with the old man. And, and so again, that was one of my favorite things. And the other favorite thing, in conjunction with this first favorite thing, was reading Marvel comic books. I never had to buy one because we'd find them in the trash. And now I'm thinking back, I wish I'd collected all of those. I'd be a bazillionaire today. But seriously... When I was working with my dad, I got to read Marvel comic books that I found in the trash. Every day, someone would be throwing them out at some job, and I'd, I'd get to read those in between each trash stop. You see, my, my dad didn't have the residential stuff. He didn't want that. That's where you go. You know, the guy that comes down your street with the dumpster, and they, and they, they stop at every house. My dad had jobs. Sometimes they'd be 20 minutes away from each other, 30 minutes away. And while he was driving to the next job, I, I mean... For me, I'd be able to go off on an adventure with the Green Lantern or the Hulk or the Fantastic Four in between those trash stops. And, and these comic books were free. Again, I got them right out of the trash. Now, if they're really, you know, bad, I left them in the trash. I got the good ones. And, of course, if, if you have ever been into comic books about superheroes, then one of the things you notice is that not, you'll notice every superhero, just like my dad, had a vulnerability, right? They all had a built-in vulnerability. Each one of them had a weakness. And this is important because even the best of Bible heroes also had a weakness. Now, concerning superheroes, Superman had to protect himself from kryptonite, right? The Flash had to be careful to constrain himself and not run too fast or he would die in the speed force. Aquaman could not be out of water for more than one hour. Batman's weakness was his flesh and his bitterness over the murder of his parents. Iron Man suit compensated for a weakened heart muscle. 
And Spider-Man's senses could be dulled by the effects of a common cold. They all had weaknesses. And so I want you to think about something else this morning. You see, each of these weaknesses made for better reading, didn't they? They made for more exciting stories because there was always the chance that the hero might succumb. That they might fail. That they might even be exterminated. It always made, it always made it possible that the very next comic book that you had in your hand at that moment might be the last one written about your favorite hero. Really, isn't that crazy? We'd read that and wonder, is he going to get out of this? And of course, it wasn't the last comic book. They just kept making new ones because no matter what, they always got through their weakness. They persevered. They conquered that weakness. And again, you know what? Our Bibles are full of heroes. And just like the comics and just like real life people, they also had flaws and weaknesses and they were not perfect. And the Bible here that I want to focus on this morning is Samson. If you don't know, I I really kind of like the Hulk. Isn't he awesome? And that just made me go to Samson. Obviously, Samson was known for his great strength. And that makes for a great hero. And obviously, it was a superhuman strength that had been given to him by God. The Bible tells us explicitly that he would use his power and he'd become a hero among his people. And so I want us to begin by looking at Judges chapter 13 and starting at verse 1 through 7. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man named Zorah, excuse me, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant. And give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other other fermented drink. And that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedicated to God from the womb. And he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name, but he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. And so here is the promise of a deliverer. A hero to set the people free from the, from, the, from the oppression of the Philistines. And then the reality of this is recorded in just two short verses. Again, it's chapter 13, this time verse 24 and 25. And it says, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtol. And at this point in his life, just as with every young child's life, there is incredible potential inside of this boy. I mean, he's been called by God. He's been set aside with a specific vow over his life. It's been prophesied that he will deliver the Israelites from their oppressors. But Samson's weaknesses begin to show up very early in his life. 
The first one, which is mentioned as a result of his flesh, his, his selfish will, his lack of obedience to God and to his doting parents. You see, as a young man, Samson decides that he does not want to marry a nice Jewish girl. In fact, he, he's attracted to a girl from the enemy's camp. His parents try, I mean, though rather weakly, they try to convince him that that's not a good idea. But they cave into him anyways. And we're told that on the way to Timnah, they will meet this girl. They're going to meet her family. And on their way there, a lion comes out of nowhere, and it is Samson's superhuman strength that allows him to kill the lion. And quoting right out of the scriptures, it says, quote, unquote, with his bare hands. He kills this lion with his bare hands. And it says that he ripped the lion, he tore it apart. Saving not only his own life, but also the lives of his parents. But here again, the weaknesses begin to show. He desires the wrong girl for his life. On one of his trips to Timnah, he violates his Nazarite vow by going near the corpse of this lion to scoop honey out of its carcass. See, the Nazarite vow wasn't just you shall not cut his hair, but he's not to be around anything that is deceased. Not to drink fermented beverages of any kind. And through the events that follow, he eventually loses this wife of the Philistines to another man. He becomes bitter. He causes the Israelites to turn against them, so they tie him up. And they hand him over to the Philistines. And yet the Spirit of God has not left him. As the Israelites hand him over to the Philistines, it says this in chapter 15, verse 14, that the Spirit of the Lord, as the the Israelites are handing him to the Philistines, it says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and the ropes became like charred flax. And he broke through the ropes, took the jaw of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines in that single encounter. One man against a thousand. After that one battle, we're told that Samson then led Israel for 20 years during the days of the Philistines. He was a hero. But then the next chapter reveals his weakness again. He goes to another Philistine woman, this time a prostitute. And after that one night stand, he becomes enthralled with yet another Philistine woman by the name of Delilah, right? You've heard of her. And she, like the others, is not good for him. And it appears that they shack up together. There's no record of them ever getting married. And throughout the relationship, she continually badgers him to find out the source of his power. And at first, he deceives her just as she was trying to deceive him. She would lie to him regularly and he would just lie back. And eventually, as we all know, he succumbs to her. And he tells her the true source of his power. And so she sets him up. She cuts off his hair. Which, as we read, is the final remaining evidence of his Nazarite vow. And the Philistines are now able to seize him. And they bind him. They gouge out his eyes. And they yoke him to a grinding wheel, just like you would an ox. And there he spends his life grinding grain. Just like some dumb animal. Now I did, I did not even mention every act of superpower strength that the Bible lists for us. Samson did some great things. 
I didn't cover all of his failures either because we don't want to be here all morning to study him in that, that, that kind of depth. But it, it would just take too much time. But suffice it to say that God had created him for the purpose of being a hero in Israel. That, that, that's how he was to begin. That's how he was meant to finish. To be a hero in Israel. God had presented his mother and father with the terms. An angel of the Lord had come to them and said, this man will deliver the, the Jews from the hands of the Philistines. He would be a hero. His Nazarite vow, they, they were aware of this deal between them and God and he and God. And yet, by the simple element of free will, both he and his parents are, 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 are almost complete and total failures. It's so sad. It's so sad to see such great potential dissipate. I mean, right, right down the drain. And you know, I, I, I want to blame his parents first. Because while he was yet a very young child, they should have done more. They re I really believe they should have done more. They should have schooled him better in God's word. They should have, they should have probably been better disciplinarians. I mean, right away, we see Samson arguing with his parents about whom he should marry. And in that day and age, that day and age, marriages were arranged. It wasn't ever a child's choice. Can you see how liberal they were? I want you to read this with me. I want you to read the interaction between Samson and his parents. This is Judges 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. You know, I, I, you know I, when, you, when you take parenting 101, I'll tell you the right way to discipline, but I would have backhanded that boy. Okay, you don't, talk to, you don't talk to me or your mother like that, especially your mother. That was supposed to be a joke. Can you believe that? I have seen a Philistine woman. I've seen a woman who's, who's not of our people and go get her for me. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Oh, that just, I'm telling you guys, that really just, my blood pressure just went up. <laughs> Listen to me. What child knows better than their parents? Pastor Brandon, maybe you can dub in a loud amen, right? You can find that online somewhere because that should have been a universal amen, right? There should be no doubt. This is not open for discussion. There's no disputing the fact. I said, what child, what child at any age? How about that? I'm going to add this now. What child at any age knows better than their parents? Unless you've had some really bad parents. I'm serious. I don't care. You can be, you can be 35 years old. You're living in my house. You're going by my rules. You're going by my counsel because you're my child. You don't become an adult at 18. That's what Uncle Sam said. 21, I guess now, right? 18, age of majority, 21. You can drink. You can. So says the government. My, my children will always be my children. They get more freedom when they leave my house. 
and they left my house. <laughs> You're the boss when you can pay the cost. I mean, this was blatant disobedience to God. For this boy, this is, this is a young man. This is blatant disobedience to God. It's an insult to his parents' authority, and yet they caved in. And you know what's sad? <clears throat> parents do that today too, don't they? Let me tell you something. We are not obligated to let our kids do whatever they want or what they think best. Again, an amen. You know, that's, give me that 20, Hans. Give me, give me, I got to buy some amens. Our primary job as parents just might be to say no. Can you imagine? That might be, now I'm pretty, I'm skilled at this. You can ask my kids. I am skilled at no. And I've learned I can always say no. They come to me, no. They come to me, no. And then later I can change it to a yes. You understand? But if you say yes, you can't change it to a no. Because then you're a bad dad. I always go no first. And give some time to think about it. But your primary job might be to say no. That might, be, that might be the primary reason for your existence. Because no one else is going to tell them no. Parents are obligated by virtue of their God-given position to guide their children, to train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, doesn't say older, when he's old, they'll return to it. Samson had such incredible potential. And parents are the key to helping their children develop their full potential. This kid, like yours, this kid, Samson, like yours, should have been in Sunday school, life groups. Should have been in Rangers. Should have been in girls, but not girls ministries. Should have been in youth group and in church. And I feel sad for both the child and the parents who don't make church life a priority. Showing up at church maybe twice a month, that's sending a horrific message to your kids. They need to know that this is serious. They need to know that spiritual discipline is paramount in life and for spiritual formation. trying to think about how to tie in virtual church right now because you might be able to get saved through virtual church seriously if you're watching this online and you pray to ask Jesus to come into your heart I believe you can be saved through through virtual church but I don't believe you can be discipled through virtual church I believe you need to be together face to face in person for real discipleship to take place Anyways, I just wonder if Samson could have been a hero. And I mean a hero with an incredible history of exploits. Because we, we've seen them in Scripture. We just finished the book of Joshua a few months ago, right? A couple months ago. But instead, his life was a roller coaster ride of success followed by failure, always vacillating between victory and compromise. And I think it was Vance Havner who once said, it's not how you start that matters, it's how you finish. Amen. Samson started well for a brief period of his life, but then he did not finish well. So let's read about how he finished. This is Judges chapter 16, verse 23. 
It says, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon. Now, mind you, he is, he's simply going around in circles, grinding grain as a blinded hero. And the rulers of the Philistines assembled together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And while they're in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars to support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for 20 years. Let me close just a few observations. The first is this. The glaring truth that I see here in these verses is that Samson gains one more victory over the Philistines. One more somewhat heroic victory. But you know what? It comes in a suicidal act. If this is, an, histor- if this is a, an, an heroic victory, then it's one that's bittersweet. Amen? Because you see, he dies in one final tragic act of desperation. This is not a valiant battle. This is an act of desperation. He wants vengeance for his eyes. This is a desperate attempt. And even though he manages to kill more Philistines in this one effort than he did all of his lifetime, the Bible told us, he's only a shadow of the great man that he once was. Or could have been. And then the other thing that I'd like for us to acknowledge is the cost of willfulness and compromise. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin, the wages of sin is death. The Bible also teaches us about the law of sowing and reaping. And the fact is, like the title of my message, heroes aren't perfect. They all have flaws. But you know what? The better heroes... Do not allow their flaws. They do not allow their weaknesses to overcome them. You see, there there is no perfect human being except for the one who gave his life on that cross. Only Jesus, the God-man, was perfect. Perfect and without sin. There was no weakness. Isaiah talks about him being like a reed blown in the wind, disfigured. Rejected by men. That all sounds so weak. That wasn't weakness. That was obedience to the will of the Father. And you see, the better heroes, the average human hero, even in Scripture, they not only conquer the enemy of their soul, but they also conquer their weakness as they get strengthened through each and every battle. 
And you know what? That should apply to our lives as well. As each one of us ages in life and we grow older in the Lord, hopefully we get better. Hopefully we're getting stronger. One verse tells us how it works. It's it's 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. No hero is perfect. But keep in mind that at least part of our Christian walk should include an effort to overcome our weaknesses so that we can be victorious without our own flaws bringing us down. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'd like the worship team to come back. So I want to give you the opportunity in a minute to come to this altar area if you so desire to pray. Because one of the things we all need to do is to have the Holy Spirit take a look at our hearts. Because we all do have flaws. Because we're human. We all struggle with things. There, there are times when, when sin comes, temptation comes and sin follows. And we get drawn in. And we don't want that to hold us back. And besides that, you have an enemy. And it's, it's, not, it's not the Philistines. It's not Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You have an enemy. His name is Satan. And in Scripture, in the book of Revelation, it tells us that he is the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the church, the brothers, those that know Christ. And and that little flaw, he's going to try to amplify in your life. And he's going to to say, you know what, you're not good enough to serve in such such a position. And and you know what, you shouldn't even bother offering yourselves to help in that until you get... he's He's going to accuse you into becoming ineffective. He's going to try to deceive you into compromise. And the easiest way for us to get rid of him is to know that we are completely righteous in Christ. That everything that Jesus did makes us righteous. We're justified before God. Justify means just as if I had never sinned. And yet we struggle with our sin nature, with our carnal nature. And so what I'd like us to do this morning is find a place of prayer. And to say, Lord, help me. Help me with my weakness. Help me with my weakness. And even as Paul said, because when I am weak, then I know that he is strong in me. We need your strength, Lord. We need victory. Your church in our nation especially needs victory. Lord God, I pray that the days of compromise are behind us. And Lord God, that heroes will rise up in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and let's find a place of prayer this morning before we leave. Just a few moments together. Again, be mindful of distancing yourself from others if you don't feel safe or you're not been vaccinated, whatever. Just, But let's find a place of prayer today and let's just ask God to help us with our weakness. The word says if we say that, that we have no sin, then we make God to be a liar and the truth is not in us. That's in 1 John chapter 1. And so, Lord, right now, God, we, we ask you, Lord, to cleanse us and to forgive us of all sin, all willfulness all iniquity. Lord, that you would cleanse us, Lord, today. Lord, we pray your forgiveness, Lord. We pray your cleansing power in our lives. And Lord, I pray that that we, and especially none of our children, would ever become as willful as Samson, thinking that they know better. And Lord, we as parents as well, Lord God, I pray that we'd never be so liberal and lenient as to let our children make up their own decisions on, on life, life issues. 
And Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over blood-washed Christians. You can try to deceive, and you can try to tempt, and you can try to oppress, and you can try to obsess, but you have no authority over us. You have no authority over our situation. And we claim our families right now, each and every one, Lord, for household salvation. We claim our families that those in our families that do not know you yet, Lord Jesus, would come to you, Lord. God, even if we, if we can't get through to them, Lord, I pray you'd put someone in their path. Lord, that, that those who have turned away from you would come back to you, Lord. God, we ask for you to do this by the power and the unction of your Holy Spirit. And we, Lord, we know that we, we can't convince people intellectually. But Lord God, your Holy Spirit can bring a conviction that is overpowered. And Lord, we pray for that right now, Lord. Your conviction that parents would be parents, that children would be obedient. Lord, that children would would be raised in a home where they, they know that they need to seek God's will before their own. So that when they become adults, they'll do the same. Lord, that they'll inquire of you, that they'll not be led astray. Lord, there's so many vain philosophies out there. And we come against them in the name of Jesus. Come against them in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. There's no other but you, God. There's no other but you. Your way is the absolute best. Your will is perfect. And Lord, I thank you that none of us will be perfect, but Lord, we strive, even as your word encourages us, to to strive to be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Lord, we strive for that.
again one more time, Lord, we pray for your leading in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your guidance, to your leading, to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way in our lives. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Father God, I pray, Lord, your will be done in our lives. Lord, your will to be preeminent in our lives. God, that you would raise up your church in these last days to do your will. And I pray that you begin right here with us. Lord, I pray your blessing now as we leave this place. Lord, your blessing on each one of us. Continue to lead us and guide us and help us to be obedient in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you.